there's so many people who tell you what they will do. I want to hear what people did. And it could be something as simple as volunteering time at some charity or even helping somebody down the street. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation, and welcome back to another episode of The Right Club Podcast. You are listening to Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. And we are excited to be back this week with another really exciting podcast. But before we get into that and talk about our guest, Alfonso, I see um, your 100 properties sign behind you. And I'm thinking you're probably at like 100 and change at this point, 110. But what have you been up to recently with your rent-to-own business? Yeah, well, as we're recording this, it's just after uh, the Easter weekend. And we currently, I think we're officially at 110. And by the end of June, if everything goes according to plan, we have another eight under contract. So yeah, just working through that process, finding more tenant buyers. Really cool thing is we're working with some really awesome investors and joint venture partners and have put together a really nice program for them to learn about, learn about more about rent to own, the different types of clients, the different types of properties, what's needed to invest in the rent to own. So really uncovering that. I've made this joke for a while and the people that know more about Western Canada will know about the Ogopogo. But for the ones that don't know, it's like the Loch Ness Monster of the Okanagan Valley. And that's what I've always thought rent to own has been like. Like, oh, I've heard about it. I've seen it. It's 20 feet long. It's five cars wide. But no one exactly knows. So we're trying to uncover that for investors a little bit more so that they're more confident, understand the rent to own model and how we operate and help them and do it in a smart, ethical way and help families own their homes, but also create really good investment strategies. So that's what's keeping us busy. Do a lot more presentations going across uh, GTA and surrounding areas. And But how about you, Sarah? What are you up to? What's, what's keeping you busy? Yeah, so by the time this will air, it'll probably be my guess is July or August. But again, you know, we've got, uh, we just kind of release them as we record them. And so as of April, so I have this property that is closing, this triplex in Hamilton. I'll probably be knee deep in the renovations. I don't do the renovations, but <laughs> my contractor is going to be doing the renovations. So right now I am getting three quotes on Friday from three contractors that I have worked with or one of my investor friends have worked with and looking forward to getting an idea of what the specs are going to look like. It's uh, essentially, it's a single family house that we're converting into a triplex and technically has three units already, but uh, we want to just uh, definitely freshen them up because this place smells like cat pee. I am not kidding. <laughs> that one of the realtors that was helping subbing in for, for Dylan, my my actual realtor for Hamilton, she, she was staying outside. She was like, I can't, I can't smell this. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what? Hey, you know, those are the ones that sometimes you just get the best deals on and you get the best opportunities on. So I'll, well, uh, I'll keep you guys updated. I think, I think with this one, I will uh, be updating Instagram quite regularly with the progress. So, but uh, enough about me. Let's, uh, let's talk about Matt Frederick. Now, Matt is probably the most experienced real estate investor that I know who's done pretty much any, any type of strategy, any type of deal. I mean, you name it, right? From residential, commercial, development, storage units. And we actually had a lot of fun talking about Alfonso's favorite, actually, for the moment, investing overseas, specifically in Belize. And Matt is doing a development project there and he's really, really like able to travel and able to go back and forth to different countries and different uh, areas to really like, well, he was talking about how like he goes to the different regions to see where he wants to invest. And then he picked Belize. I thought that was really cool, but I'm really excited about it. What about you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I was so excited to talk to Matt and he's just so open with the information on how how they're doing it, how they're doing a development in Belize. Like that is so cool. Like if you would have said that to me five or six years ago, or even, I don't even know, maybe even a few years ago, I would have been like, no way, that's impossible. You got to be super ultra rich. Like, yeah, I don't know, something like that, but he's doing it right. And that's the cool part is that he's got boots on the ground. His brother's out there. He's got a plan. He's got a strategy and it's really working through that. And I'm excited because honestly, I, again, 
when when we, were, we recorded this just after Easter, I had just been away to Mexico with some friends, and the weather was so amazing. And I said, put on a pair of flip-flops and a shirt, and you walk out the door. I tried to do that like when I got back, and it was still like, no, nah, it was way too cold. Needed a jacket and a sweater. And I don't know, for me, I am a warm climate creature. I, I, I like the warm <laughs> I like the warm weather better, right? So we've been having fun hibernating, recording these podcasts in the winter months. As it gets warmer, we need to find a, maybe a cool location. And, and we did talk about that in the podcast. Make sure to listen to that. We're planning maybe having something. Uh, if, if, if I get the green light, I'm excited about this. We're going to do like a right club event overseas, maybe in Belize, learning about that. But again, it's just another strategy that you have to do your due diligence on. You have to know what the key parts are, who the key players are on your team, what to have prepared. Yeah, and, and just walk through that and learn. You're going to make maybe a mistake, but hopefully it doesn't stop you from going forward and it actually makes you better, right, in that, the next time that you try. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into the interview with Matt, I also want to mention, though, that he is a regular contributor now for the Right Club, and he is on stage at every single one of our events. And he's actually going to be talking about different topics each and every time for about 10 minutes and it's actually going to be called the right talk like ted talks but the right talk I think yeah cool. <laughs> right talks hashtag that the right talks the right talk there you go i mean he's he's shown me some of the stuff that he's planning on speaking about and like it's mind-blowing it's amazing it's content that is all new to me it's going to be so educational and it's also going to be like getting that advanced type of investor also learning new things. And there's probably like, you, you know, this, right? Like you've got 110 properties and you go to certain different events and a lot of it is still very basic, but Matt is also going to be able to teach that more advanced type of level for investors that have, I don't know, 10 properties, 20 properties, a hundred properties. And what is that next step? How do you get to the next level? And, uh, and so, so some really amazing content. Absolutely. And, and quite honestly, the reason why now we have Matt at our events and, and, and he's been on our stage and spoken is the feedback that we've got from the Right Club Nation is that you really love what he had to say and, and, and share it on our stage. So we wanted to provide more of that to you. Thank you for giving us that feedback. That's what allows us to grow and get better, right? And we want to continue to hear that from you. So we really hope you like this podcast. Matt is, yeah, like a, a fixture now at the Right Club events. We're looking to grow more. We want to we want to learn from the best people out there that are doing it, and and hear just the real people doing real stuff. So hope you enjoy the podcast, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you on the flip side. All right, welcome to the podcast, Matthew Frederick. Thank you for joining us today, Matthew. Well, it's great to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. Sarah and I are uh, very excited to to have you on the podcast. I know you've been on our stage a few different times, and. Uh, Actually, our event tomorrow night, you're going to be up there as well, too. And uh, we've been featuring you on a few segments as well, too. But uh, for those listeners and for the people that maybe haven't seen you present or, or met you, why don't you let them know a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been investing for about uh, 28 years. I started off in the military, uh, reserve. I was doing computers as well. I wasn't sure which way I would go. But I ended up buying uh, my first house about 19. About four years later, I was actually teaching. So I bought my uh, second house. And then, of course, I you know, fixed and refinanced, bought my third and fourth, and then to a commercial property and then hit the wall like everybody else does and uh, had a few strategies that helped me get my next 10 and then get into commercial, get into land development and uh, buying in the U.S. and also just uh, checking the world out. I, I'm a world guy. I, I enjoy looking at the entire world, not just my own backyard. That's awesome. Now, you're probably one of the only investors that I know that have done residential, commercial, development, storage units. I mean, you name it. I think there's every single kind of strategy you've touched. And jumping from residential to commercial, I'm sure was a big step and uh, commercial to development. And can you just briefly talk about just the leap that you had to make when you went from, you know, for, for example, commercial to development and then the differences? Well, here's the thing. Um, I set off, first of all, as an investor in order to learn new things. So I always want to learn new things, number one, and of course, make money, number two. So therefore, I knew I wouldn't just stay in one thing. As soon as I learned residential, I wanted to learn commercial, and from commercial to land development. It was a massive leap. I always thought the next level up was easier than it actually ended up being. 
And uh, you know, today in the news, you hear something like uh, someone's 45, someone's in high school, not good integrity. Now they're 45 years old and they're being elected for something. And people say, well, if you had bad integrity in high school, probably have bad integrity in, uh, in your later life. That's not the problem. The problem I ran into was I had great integrity in high school and at every single level I went up from residential to, com- to commercial, from commercial up to land development, I had to increase my integrity. Sometimes I failed, but I had to increase my integrity, really improve my way of doing things, be more accurate at every single level. So, I mean, my most difficult, let's say, issues would have been at each new level comes new challenges that requires me to be a better human being. And uh, you know what? I didn't start off uh, perfect. I'm not perfect now, but it's a continuous work to get to level, to level, to level internally first. Yeah, and that and that's you know that's so true. As as you continue to grow and and go in different you know avenues and different strategies that you use, it's a whole new world. Different levels of contacts, different needs, requirements, and skills that basically that you need to take on or find really good people at what they what they're doing. Because it, it doesn't it, you know I was looking at it in terms of rent to own or or other strategies. People have done it before. There are versions of it, right? It's putting your own spin on it where you can apply the skills the best way that you can, right? So is there maybe like a common thread or a few common threads amongst those different strategies where you're like, wow, that this attribute or or this particular skill kind of was worked across all of the different strategies, whether it's internal or something within the markets as well. Yeah. So a lot of it's picking the right partner and uh, where I've had my success is, is with the right partners and my failures with the wrong partners. And when I say partners, I'm not just talking about joint venture partners. I'd uh, renovated five houses in Windsor at the same time I was renovating three houses in, in Edmonton and one in Hamilton. Because I want to say to myself, hey, I'm doing a renovation in my own town, Hamilton. I'm doing one three hours away, Windsor. I'm doing five and I'm doing three, three hours flight all the same time because I was stretching myself. But in Windsor, I didn't have the proper setup or the proper partner who ended up not delivering what uh, he or she recommended or said that they would, they would deliver. And uh, ultimately, you know, it was my responsibility because instead of getting all my bills at the end of every month, I waited till the end to get my bills and he lost half the bills. So <laughs> whose fault is that? It's my fault. And obviously I had to, you know, file my taxes. And uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, CRA, not crazy about buy, fix all pictures. So in a lot of cases, it's the partnerships that you, you involve yourself with, whether it's your team players, people that you depend upon. Ultimately, it's our responsibility because I knew this person was an exaggerator. I knew he exaggerated everything, but I still went with it anyway because I was pushing the envelope as fast as I can, as wide as I can. So therefore, I uh, put myself in a bad situation. I mean, I'm fortunate to get out of it and do very well, but still, I think partnerships is the central core. Absolutely. So now that with your experience, your trial and errors, if somebody wanted to do what you're doing and find the right partnerships, what are some of the tips that you would provide them? Well, in a lot of cases, you want to talk to people who are doing something. It doesn't matter if it's real estate, but there are so many people who tell you what they will do. I want to hear what people did. And it could be something as simple as volunteering time at some charity or even helping somebody down the street. You know, I want to know what people are doing, not what they say they'll do. At the same time, a lot of people, they have this imagination that's just a little bit too wild. I was talking to a guy about two weeks ago, says to him, okay, if I mention you, what sort of money are you looking for monthly? He says, I want about $50,000 a month cash flow. I'm like, $50,000 a month cash flow. Okay, come see me in about 14 years when you're more realistic. So sometimes people have to set a realistic goal. And sometimes people have a hard time doing that. So I'm looking for people who can set a realistic goal. And I can obviously help them to be more realistic about what they're doing. Take that 45000 a month down to, you know, cash flow of 300 then to 1000 then to 1500 then to a couple thousand. And it all depends on what type of real estate you're doing, of course. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do get caught up in that one big score, right? That there's going to be that one deal that they do on that XYZ street and that's going to be that golden cow or that cash cow that that's going to be all the money. But I think what it is, it's being, it's being consistent with it and finding little smaller deals and getting onto the playing field at first. And then, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try 
to get a single and a double, right? And then I can, as I get more comfortable with the rules or in that realm of that world, and then like yourself, then go into those other kind of arenas to try different things, right? As you know, the general principles and basics. So, okay, so here's, here's a question for you, Matt. I've been dying to ask you this question, okay? I know the rent-to-own world, all right? And there's been a lot of people that talk about like vacation properties. Now, I currently, with, with my business partner, Adam, we have like vacation or beach cottages in Port Stanley. It's only a beach like maybe half the year at best, right? But somewhere like, I don't know, Belize, maybe, where I know you've invested, what's a realistic or what's a, what's a realistic way to go invest in a property in Belize? Well, first of all, I didn't choose Belize from HeadSmart. I actually spent a number of months traveling through Central America in every country there, just spending two or three weeks, just seeing how I felt about it. Do I feel safe? What does the government work like? Is it a place I want to be? And uh, all of a sudden, Belize stood up. Now, again, I really I didn't know why it was a great place initially, so I started investigating. And I, I like Belize because it has the same government system as we have in Canada. Uh, it's a Westminster by Carmel system. At the same time, the judicial system is the same. Like the laws governing even land ownership is exactly the same. All documentation official is in English, not Spanish or French. And I don't speak Spanish or French. So... English is a lot easier for me. It's a smaller population, 330,000 people. And with Belize, you have to make sure that you know where you're going to be. There's north, there's mid, and there's south. I like south, Placencia. Uh, I like it because a lot of well-to-do people move there. It's still a little bit backwards, but uh, it's uh, advancing pretty rapidly. You know, sometimes you might hear crime in Belize. Well, crime is more so in the larger cities. So like Belize City, that's, that's up north, close to Mexico. Uh, and crime would be, if you leave your bicycle out, someone might steal it. Or, of course, there's a more serious crime. If somebody you know, has a beef with somebody else for a long term, who knows? Maybe something more serious can happen. But, but down in, in South Police, Placentia, it's pretty safe. And uh, just really quickly, a lot of things I like about it, um, property taxes are, I think, $29 a year. Which wow. I'm okay. <laughs> that's cheap. And that's expensive now. And ultimately, when it comes to water, obviously, you know, you'll have well water and uh, septic as well. So very little maintenance uh, when you think about it. Of course, there's certain steps to buy property. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was always, for whatever reason, interested in acquiring a property. I, I was originally thinking of Costa Rica, but I'm open to suggestions. But a property where you, you could be a snowbird, you don't have to stay here during the winter. But for it to make sense for you when you're investing in Belize or wherever it is, so two questions. A, what does your portfolio there look like? But also, what are you acquiring? So are you acquiring single family? Are you developing? Like, what are you doing there to make it make sense? So I like Costa Rica also. The problem with Costa Rica, it's very expensive now. So Belize is where Costa Rica was probably about seven years ago. But Belize price, prices are increasing. Like, if you buy South Belize on water, you can pay $200,000 for a lot. Six years ago, that lot could have been about $60,000. So, I mean, it is really, it is beginning to move. Down there, my brother and I, you know, so we'll buy land, like uh, one acre, two acres, and three acres, and we like to build our own stuff. So we're looking to build uh, a 10-unit, uh, three-story, sort of like a townhouse condo complex. And right now, we have a few properties down there, just standalone properties that, that are on the beach. And uh, those standalone properties, we generally rent them out on a weekly basis, a seven-day basis, and usually for about six months of the year. The rest of the time, uh, we use it ourselves or we do other things. And you can rent for longer, but mathematically, it just works out that six months of rental takes care of all that we need for it to take care of. Hey, Right Club Nation, we'd like to take a short break from the podcast to introduce you to Ryan Carson, who is the leader and visionary at Carson Law. It's a firm based out of Burlington, Ontario, that provides legal services in the areas of residential and commercial real estate, corporate and business matters, estate planning, and intellectual property. Ryan has handpicked his legal and admin team who have developed an efficient process that can help with every aspect of the transaction. This includes acting on purchases, sales, refinances, receiving funding, reviewing contracts, drafting and reviewing joint venture and partnership agreements, assisting with private lending, and building the right corporate structure. Right Club Nation, you will recognize Carson Law and his team as regular attendees and loyal supporters of our monthly meetings. 
They possess the perfect balance of legal experience and desire to achieve client satisfaction that ensures each deal is successfully executed in a timely manner. And by the way, even though their main office is in Burlington, they have a mobile signing service that will send a lawyer to meet with clients, which is awesome. At Carson Law, you can count on their legal advice for home, for work, and for life. Now, back to the podcast. That's incredible. You like are describing like a dream situation for me, right? And, and I know in one of the presentations that, that you gave at the Right Club, you actually talked about how you eventually got to the point where you manufactured the bricks as you started to develop and, and do those properties, right? So now as you're well-established into that, that country, like what who are your main contacts like what do you do with like like are you the person that are the point that let's say i wanted to invest and buy a property there or how do you facilitate that for or do you work with investors is that just for yourself yeah so we actually work with investors and uh people would contact me directly and then i'll sit down with them go through a discussion to explain to them exactly you know the good the bad the ugly what to expect and uh what costs are involved in doing things the reason why we decided to make our own brick is because in these countries, these third, third world countries, there's freedom and there's liberty. Liberty is the ability to play the game fairly. Freedom is the ability to buy what you want. Now, I had experiences years ago where we were building our own properties, or uh, sorry, I was having a property built. Halfway through the build, they couldn't find the bricks. I'm like, how can I help you find the bricks? It says 10,000 US will help us find the bricks. I feel like I'm in Godfather too. So I'm like, okay, well, here's the, here's the money. And then 90% through, Cineblock. We couldn't get Cineblock. They came back again for a second taste. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm always going to control the main ingredient of anything that I do. And we, we found a great a brick, a company in Germany that makes a brick uh, two or three times harder than a Cineblock, much easier to install, doesn't sweat at the same time so it won't get mold. Uh, and, uh, you know, many good features. So therefore now we control that aspect of it. We went down there, created a brick making company, bought a lot of equipment. We sell bricks to people, but now we use those bricks so that when we're building, no one comes to us unless I'm like bipolar, but no one comes to me and says to me, Hey, you know, uh, we can't find the brick because we make the brick. You know, so it's very important. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great story. So how hands-on do you have to be on a project like this? Is, is your brother there permanently? Are you taking turns traveling? I mean, what happens if somebody needs you and you fly out? Like, talk to us about that. Yeah, so he's there full-time. Uh, he's pretty much uh, retired. He was a police officer years and years ago and had a number of businesses. And, you know, he was born in Trinidad and Tobago. In Trinidad and Tobago, which is a, a warm climate. I mean, he was in Canada for many years. But he's like, you know what? I don't want my bones ending up in Canada. So he's gone to Belize full time. I don't know if he'll ever come back to Canada, but uh, he's there, he's building, and uh, he's enjoying it. And I'll fly down if I have to show people certain things, if I have to deal with certain crisis situations. But pretty much he takes care of about 95% of everything. And I, I take care of the introduction. And of course, so next year, later this year or next year, we'll probably do a little trips down there. A group of 10, 12 people, if they want to head down for a week, we'll go down. We'll have fun in the morning times, looking at how to buy properties in Central America. And then the evenings, you're, you're with your, your counterpart, right? Alfonso, I can totally read your mind right now. You're like, this is going to be our next right club. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was just going to say, we got to find, as soon as it starts getting a little chilly yeah. in, uh, in Canada, around Burlington, yeah, week two maybe. I might have to look really close and need two weeks out there. But, uh, but that, yeah, that's, that sounds amazing, Matt. And, and that's such a great infrastructure and a great value add that you have is that you have someone like your brother there that's taking care of it, looking at that. And it's a sound investment. And like you said, a lot of the things that you listed out were similar to investing in Canada. So it's again, applying the things that you've learned in other aspects of your real estate investing career now to, you know, just another country, right. And, and, and picking that up and doing it elsewhere. No, it's very true. And, you know, pretty much you buy the land. The land ownership is the same. You pay what's called a stat tax. It's like, like a GST, let's call it. And, uh, of course, your financing would come from here. There are bank, banks in Nova Scotia down there. So Canadians can get financing down there. But the, the bank rates are like 13 to 14%. So it's kind of high. So people generally would use a line of credit. They would buy into something down there. We build it for them. And we have a system where we can rent it out for them. And we'll take a fee, probably 15%, 20%. And uh, 
we have somebody come in, they'll clean it, they'll, people book, you know, we'll meet them at the airport, they come on in, and they have a good time, and then uh, they leave. And uh, so, so the good news is you can actually have a place where you want to retire to, but you can also have a vacation there anytime you want and have somebody else pay for it for you. So it's a good combination. The lease is beautiful, by the way. It's just beautiful. That's a, a brilliant strategy. Now, have you started selling these yet, or are they still being developed? Yeah, so we have. Our first set of 10 is being built right now, so we have pre-sales. And it takes about, about a year and a half to build. And these are not complicated builds. And because we control the entire scenario, uh, uh, and you know, mahogany, for instance, is a wood that's natural down there. So uh, here, mahogany is very expensive. So because we can source the wood down there, same time we make the bricks, a lot of our roofing supplies come directly from China. And, uh, and again, we spend some time um, making the right connections with the people down there that, uh, that you need to know. Like some of the richest people down there are Mennonites. Now, you know, Mennonites here in Ontario, you know, some of them may have horse and buggy. The ones down there have been there for over 100 years. Very rich, very great at mercantile, and just very accurate in what they do. Just great partners. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just in a, in a daze right now thinking of Belize, investing, having a place down there. And, and you have all that working parts. And this is the cool part is that you come out to a place like the Right Club and you're meeting people that have those experiences in those different scenarios, right? Like somebody that's in the Burr strategy, someone that's done apartment complex, someone that's invested in Belize, right? And, and it's, it's almost like anything is really possible. And I like what you said is before is that, you know, tell me, what you're currently doing, not what you did or what you want to do, right? It's, it's it's show me a plan, show me a direction how to get there, right? And and we always talk about like people, different coaches, right? I like to say, you know, like get a coach and play, right? At the same time, right? So all right, so let's fly back from Belize, right, for for a minute and and talk about currently what, what you're doing maybe in in the areas maybe that more people are more familiar with, like Ontario or or within Canada, because I know you've been across the country as well too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't give you specific, uh, let's say, addresses because I'm working on something to do right now. But I am looking to build a, um, a three-story self-storage. I've secured a piece of land. It's on the contract. Uh, they were asking about 1.9 million. Now I got them down to 1.4 million because land is very hard to finance now. Banks are not crazy about financing raw land, and because of self-storage, I made sure it was already zoned for self-storage, and I made sure it's already zoned for three levels. That's going to cut off six months to a year on my site plan approval. And uh, I went in with what I call a double VTB. So normally somebody might say, okay, here's a $2 million piece of property. I'm going to put a half million dollars down cash and I want a VTB for a million dollars, 50-50. It's harder to, to sell that. What I, what I did in this case, I, I went in at uh, 30% cash and asked for a 70% VTB, but split into... 30% and 40%. The first VTB is 30%, which I'll pay off in one year. Once the site plan approval is done, the land value shoots up by about a million bucks. And then the second VTB is two years long, so that after it's built, it's an 18 month build. Then there's new value to the land and property. Then I'll refinance and pay out the second VTB. So because I split it, instead of a one VTB at 70%, that's a pretty big punch. I said I want a 30% one year, 40% two year, 4.5%, 5.5% running simultaneously, pay one off in, at the end of one year. When site plan approval is done, land shoots up in value. Pay off the second one when the building is complete, land shoots up in value. And I have a company called Maple Rinders I'll be talking to that they'll most likely come in and build this project. They're around for 50 years, built over a thousand buildings. They do some storages out there. I'm a builder, but you know what? I'm getting older. I don't need to get into the build. I can just oversee what they're doing because I've already spent my time building 50 unit condo buildings. So I don't have to be there anymore. Now, yeah. if I was younger, like 30, sure, I'd get up and go out there on the job site. I'm not that anymore. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, that's, that's genius. The, the two VTBs. I don't think I know anyone that's ever done it and strategized it and made it this way so did you have how was it when you were explaining it to the current seller like was he understanding what you were saying did you have yeah, to really break it down yeah so so it's really important to have confidence and belief in what you're saying so when i was talking to my realtor i spoke to him as though this has been done everywhere he's like i've never seen it before i go really that's kind of crazy 
And then I said to him, I'd love to be able to present to the other realtor with the, uh, the owner there. So I requested that we present our deal to the other realtor and the owner present. And as I was speaking to the owner, I made it seem as though it happens all the time. I mean, I've done it before, maybe not all the time, but you have to, you have to package it as though, yeah, this is normal. This is the most normal thing in the world. You don't know that? <laughs> it's kind of weird. So that kind of attitude, because if I were to get on the table and say, hey, you know what, uh, this is new or different or unique, nobody wants to do that. But for Absolutely. me, it's yeah. that confidence, right? It's that confidence in that deal that you are presenting a good and valid deal for also the seller, but it also works for you and advantageous for both. If you're both creating a win and it's creative for both of you guys, just because it's not quote unquote normal or done all the time, yeah, it's, it's a thinking outside the box theory where, where both people can benefit. And I wanted to meet the owner because I placed a little seed there that he can also be a partner. So you know that 30% I'm looking to put down? I'm trying to make that uh, 25%. I'll leave sure. 5% owner, which means uh, well, it's less money out of my pocket up front. So not only will, you know, obviously I give him two annuities. I call VTBs annuities because they, they, they pay, you know, installment payments. And by the way, he's like 68, so he understands annuities. He understands installment payments. I says, why to keep an interest in the property? I know you don't want to leave it. You love it. You've had it for many years. So you can stay as, part, as a partner and benefit from the great things we're going to build here. If you want to, you can do it. You can do it. You know, and he's like, you know what? Nah, you seem like an okay guy. I go, I'm okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So you have this deal under contract. And... I don't know how long your, your you know, holding period is, but can you walk us through what your due diligence looks like and what you need to do on this type of property just because it's much bigger scale? It's not like the typical residential where you have five days and you do your inspection or you do certain things. It's completely different. So what is the due diligence period? Like, what are you doing now? What are the steps? Okay. Well, I have to talk to my, I talk to my architect. Uh, and, you know, to create the structure, right? Now, dollar per square foot, the architect's about a dollar per square foot. And uh, so I have that being taken care of. But then I'm looking at all, all my fees and my permits. Fees and permits would be about another dollar per square foot in the site plan approval process. So I'm having, having that taken care of. I have a geotechnical right now on the property. A geotechnical, it's where you go in there and you take soil samples. You determine where the bedrock is. Are we in sand? Are we in clay? How deep can we go? That's about a $35,000 process. The owner, by the way, has already started that process. So the good news is it's already three quarters way through. He's paid for three quarters of it. I might end up paying for the last bit of it. And then when the geotechnical is done, so again, my architectural, my permits and fees, my geotechnical, then I'm also looking at uh, talking to Maple about uh, the actual cost. Now, a three-story, 100,000-square-foot complex building self-storage now, remember it's empty in the middle, you don't have like condo units, it's, uh, it's $84 a square foot on 100,000 square feet, but it's $74 a square foot on 144,000 square feet. So the more square footage, the lower the actual uh, dollar per square foot to build. So I'm still trying to figure out what is my land usage? How much building can I get in that small envelope of, uh, of two acres? So I'm just working on that right now. And then once that's, that's done, if this were a condo, I'd have to get all my, my condo layout plans. I'd have to get my sales in gear to get my pre-sales. But it's not a condo. I have a company, um, Mako Steel. They may come in and do all the, all the uh, self-storage units for me. That has to be all organized and assembled. Should they be 10 by 10s, 10 by 15s, 5 by 10s? And of course, lastly, I have to look at what's in the area, who's coming in, and see exactly are they 90% capacity. What's the mix that's being used? What do people want in this area for store storage? And uh, so that, that, that's really important. And it takes about 18 months to really fill one of these uh, self-storage facilities. Wow, what an interesting process, right? Because it's the same way that we would look for, say, a property or, say, a clientele of where you want to be, and you do a whole set of due diligence and looking at the areas, what's close by for your customers. Well, your customers are your tenants. This way here, you're creating like that, who is going to be your tenant? there right what type of and, and and the whole process through it's pretty yeah pretty unique and different right 
it's true. But, but when it comes to self-storage, I have to see who's in the area. Like how many units are in the area? Because you don't want to saturate the area. So, I, I mean, to build a 100,000 square foot facility, if you have a 60,000 population, it's not going to work. You have to have at least 250,000 people in that area. Then you have to consider who else is building now. What type of storage do they have? Is it cold storage? Is it warm storage? What are they offering? And what are people paying for storage? So this is mathematically makes sense. So yeah, you have to construct a mathematical model and try all the different scenarios to see if it works. The same as if you were building any other type of uh, building. At some point, we're going to have to get you on stage and a whole hour presentation on the self-storage stuff because it's fascinating and you know so much about it and you've got this awesome concept for different futuristic types of storage units, which, which I'm sure you can uh, go on and on for and, and it, it would be quite, quite interesting to have a, a whole session on that at some point. But just out of curiosity, because I, I know we have to wrap up fairly soon, what is your favorite real estate investing strategy at this point? Well, I mean, if I look at my history, my most successful was the old type of, you know, the garage style, narrow type self-storage. But, but you don't get as much fulfillment from that. People store their junk or they store their stuff. That's not fulfilling. If you want fulfillment, I like, uh, I like plazas. I like plazas that have six units on, on the main floor, uh, medical retail. And the, the second floor would be a combination of one bedroom and two bedroom apartments. So I'm providing a place for people to live. I'm also providing a store for uh, community businesses. So the combination of the two, I can really like. Some people like multifamily, like 12, 24, 36 units. Yeah, I like those two, but you know, I'm not crazy about elevators and people sometimes put a lot of junk in their balconies. I'm not crazy about that either. And it's a lot more work. 10% of your time or, or your, I mean, your profit management can be 10%. Whereas with the combination I just talked about with retail mixed with apartments, I'm looking at about a four or five percent property management fee, and the income is tremendous because you have the stores. As long as you're medical retail, you do very well. Really yeah. fascinating. So, just out of curiosity, I mean, you've done you've done so much, and you've been very very successful. If you had to say the one biggest mistake that you would not want anyone else to make that you made, what would that be? Well, I think sometimes people think that they have to wait till a certain point before they do something, like. Learning how to join venture, I should have done from day one, not wait five or six years to get to the point where I needed it. Because ultimately, you're always going to run out of money. Or learning to raise money for my own projects. That's something that I wish I did a lot earlier. Because if you're able to raise money, and money's not an object, then you won't cut corners. Your stress is a lot less. And you can actually put down 60% as opposed to putting down 20%. If you go to the bank and you put 40% down on a house, the bank loves you. If you put 50% down, they love you. What limits everybody is money. So if I were to do it again, I would first start off with, how do I speak to strangers and cause them to be able to bring money to the table to partner with me? And that makes everything else easier. Because some of the mistakes I've made was because I was in an anxious or desperate situation trying to solve problems because I was balancing out there. And, you know, you make mistakes when you're anxious. Anxious heart is never a good thing to have. So raise money, learn how to do it. Things are a lot easier that way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, that's great advice. And uh, at this point of the podcast, we're ready for uh, the lightning round. So what do you say, Matt? Are you ready? Uh, let's go. All right. Let's do it. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Sarah Larby. Sarah's goal is to help other Canadians create wealth and retire earlier through real estate investing. Ever wonder how to find, screen, and manage the very best tenants? Go to www.sarahlarby.com to download her free guide. How about where to invest? If so, Sarah is also giving away a free checklist to determine where you will want to buy your next investment property. Check it out on her website. All right, so you have four questions. Question okay. number one, what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Uh, best advice would be not to compare myself to other people. So don't compare yourself to other people. Figure out what you need in life mathematically, financially, and work at your own pace. Because when you start to compare yourself to other people, then you get anxious. You feel as though you're not moving fast enough. And then you cut corners trying to get ahead too quickly, and that's when you make mistakes. So 
work on what you need. I love that. I love that. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? Well, and this is from the bottom of my heart. I love your club. <laughs> I mean, I've gone there a number of times. Uh, I've met a lot of great people. I've actually done some great things with some people there, you know, are starting great relationships. So I think one of my best resources is to go out to the right club and meet with a growing group of people. I think you guys are over a thousand members. And I think uh, the last event I went to must have been about 280 or 290 people. That's a lot of people and everybody's got a great attitude. So that to me is a great resource. Anything that I need, I can get from there. I can speak to anybody about anything. And I can also provide uh, advice as well, but it goes both ways. So Absolutely. to me, that's a great resource. Perfect. And we will talk about it at the end of the podcast, but you will be now a regular speaker at our event. So I'm really excited to, uh, to talk about that as well. Question number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? I'm able to forgive. So number one, I forgive myself. When I'm successful, if I do something very successfully, I forgive myself. If I, and that's a weird kind of thing to say, but some people, when they succeed, for some reason, it's not a good thing. So I forgive myself when I succeed, and I forgive myself when I fail, and I, I, try, I try to take things a bit lighter. I don't, I don't harp on stuff, you know? I mean, if I do something great, it doesn't make me, uh, you know, a genius. If I do something terrible, it doesn't make me a goofball, you know? So I, I enjoy the journey as opposed to, always trying to measure myself and things like that. So you got to forgive yourself for success, forgive yourself for failure, forgive others because I don't tend to hold grudges. Okay? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling 40. I'm not 40, but I'm feeling it because I tend to forgive. And that's important. And I hope others forgive me. I love that. And you know what? And you look like you're 30, Matt. So, um, and, I, and, I, and I love that how you have to enjoy the journey right, is the, the whole point of that is that, you know, we, we think that there's this one end or goal or destination that we want to get to. But, you know, if you do it, like, I, I just heard this recently, like, you know, if you do achieve your goal, well, you got to make a bigger goal, right? Like, you got to get there, right? There's no, it's continuing on and pushing yourself and continue to grow, right? And there is no, there's no end until that last heartbeat, right? So continue. No, that's that. true. You yeah. know, I will say this, I mean, you know, we're all human beings, but I like being a human doing. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. that's awesome. I like that. <laughs> All right, so. A human doing, right? <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, that's so. That's a new hashtag for this podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, human <laughs> doing. I like that. Let's put that on there. Um, all right, so, okay, so the last question of the lightning round. It's actually a great segue from what we were just talking about. It's a Sunday morning, a typical Sunday morning. What are you doing? What are you, the human, doing on the Sunday morning? So on Sunday mornings, I get up, you know, I'm starting to go to the gym now. So I'll go to the gym, I just do squats. I do simple things at the gym. I won't do like 30 or 40 different exercises. I'll just do three or four exercises, but I'll do them very well. Of course, I'll change them up. And then I'll probably go see my daughter. I'll spend some time with her, go across to see my parents on Sunday. My parents are 85, 86. To me, they're worth all the gold in the world because when they're gone, you cannot get that back again. And uh, at the same time, you know, I might just walk around and do nothing. Just think. Think of what happened during the week. Listen to rehash conversations that have gone through my mind. And just uh, re-look at things. So a pretty easy day for me on Sunday. That sounds good. Lots of nice things for sure. So Matt, how can our Right Club Nation get a hold of you or reach out if they wanted to know more about you? Well, if you almost reach me at my email, which is... Uh, I'll spell it for you. It's Matthew, M-A-T, that's one T, M-A-T-H-E-W dot F at NIDUSHUB, N-I-D-U-S-H-U-B dot com or uh, 289-440-2335. Leave a message and uh, I'll give you a call back. That's awesome. So you are going to be speaking as a regular person, a regular contributor on our stage each and every single month. Can we briefly talk about what you're going to be presenting or just the concept and, uh, and what you're going to be presenting the next couple months? Because I've seen some previews and it's, uh, it's really exciting. Um, but you'll have done a couple already and, uh, and obviously going into the fall. So can you tell us about what you're going to be doing with us? Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to do a little small 10 to 12 minute segments 
but are really, really important stuff. You're not saying, if I can do it, you can do it too. That's not really so true, that saying, because certain things are missing. What I think are missing are what I call conjunctions, but I call them wisdom conjunctions. A conjunction is like and, but, or, and they join phrases together. If you're missing the and or the but or the or in a sentence, you can't really apply the sentence very well. And I think when it comes to knowledge, we can get great information and we can get great knowledge, but the application of that knowledge, joining it together, is what's really important. So these little chats are going to be, okay, how do you take something that you've heard and actually take it now and apply it the next day after I teach it? And these are going to be important things. Now, there might be a follow-up maybe a webinar if you want to attend that, or maybe a two-hour event, or maybe a one-day event. And sometimes it's free, and sometimes it'll cost an arm and a leg. Um, maybe it'll cost a head, you know, like a, a finger or two. But, but, but the fact is, you know what, it's good stuff that I think is very important. So it could be a webinar, could be a phone call, could be a, a one-day presentation. You just follow up on some of the things that I'm talking about that I think is critical to someone's success so that they can do it too. Awesome. I love that. It's, it's not just about the theory. It's, it's about the action and how to actually apply it and then put that in part of your life. I really love that. So thank you so much for, for your time today and, and uh, to speaking to our Right Club Nation. We're looking forward to seeing you more often on the stage. And uh, again, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, I, I love being there. You know what? It's a great group, great club. You guys are phenomenal. And uh, yeah, you know what? I enjoy it. I look forward to it. Amazing. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for being on the show. We really hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. I found it so, so interesting. We talked about Belize. I'm so happy that we did. I'm definitely going to be some follow-up calls, probably a few trips to Belize, maybe to do some due diligence for sure to check out what's going on out there. But yeah, what, what a wealth of knowledge and, and just a lot of information. Matt is just such a good guy and just is really open with the information that he shared. Absolutely. You know, the really cool thing that he's doing right now is the piece of property that he bought in Ontario to do the storage development on. He was able to do a VTB, two of them, and it's structured so differently than anything I've ever heard of. I mean, like that is just amazing. And just the fact that like it was structured that way. And he knows that at certain points of the development project, he's going to be able to release some of the funds to pay back that 30% initial 30% as an example, like that is genius. Like you don't learn this kind of stuff from a couple books or a couple podcasts. Like this is years of learning and years of doing it. And having those connections coming out to specific events like that is really where you're going to learn that and you're going to get that information and, and investing in those types of courses or real estate coaching, etc. So, I mean, to me, this is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, I mean, obviously it's, it's not, but it's huge. Like I'm not, I don't read any books that ever tell me any of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's the cool part is that these are the people that are in our community that are doing these things that it's one off that maybe would know would have never been known. Right. And that's a lucky that we're so fortunate in this society or the time that we're living in is that we have, you know, this podcast, we have the online stuff. There's so much sources of information and real stuff out there. But when you really come down to it, when you're talking to real people doing real things, that's when you're going to get those real experiences, right? The feelings, the emotions, the things that are involved with it, but how they were able to overcome the challenges of getting to the point where they needed to, right? So there's all kinds of people, part of the Right Club Nation that come to our events, listen to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing these experiences with us. And I know we always mention it on the podcast, but definitely get on the website and check out the book. It's, it's definitely a huge value. It's basically people sharing their experiences and what they had to overcome and their challenges, right? We want that out there, right? To see this is the real things that are going through that. And you only get that experience when you get those scars and those nicks along the way. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that book was created by talking to others that are very, very experienced and people like, I mean, you know, let's say here, we're allowed to swear, but it's real people doing real shit. You know, yeah. this book, I mean, it's like a gold mine and not every single book is going to help you. Like some of it is just going to be like, yeah, like invest in real estate. It's cool. But 
some of this stuff is actual challenges that they've been able to overcome and the biggest obstacles and gives you some concrete tools that you can actually use. We, we all invest for different reasons and different goals. A lot of them are the same. A lot of them are different. But ultimately, we, we all know we're going to have to overcome challenges if we want to get to that point to that goal or that, that thing that we want that, that we're achieving, that we're trying to achieve, right? And, and again, it's remembering to enjoy the journey along the way is if you get a call and you know what, it's less and less now because you hear all the negative people that, oh, I don't want to be fixing toilets and sinks and all that stuff. Those are the people that like, you know, don't want to invest in real estate. That's fine. And they're going to put up those, those challenges or the market's not ready or whatever the case is. But those challenges that we're doing is we're, we're creating them for ourselves, right? Is how can we get better at what we're already currently doing? And I think that's the best way to grow is that if we are challenging ourselves, if you can always do something in a really great way and that's all you're doing, that's all you want to do. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's your prerogative. But how can you get better at it? How can you improve? How can you constantly help other people, help other people achieve what they want to achieve, right? So put that you know, in your realm of, of the goals, right? So, and that's what we talk about so much at the Right Club. And we're so lucky that we have an amazing community of people. You guys are so amazing. I love talking to you, meeting you. And I know more and more have reached out to me. And I always give my email, alfonso at jagproperties.com or sarah at sarahlarby.com, right? That's it, sarah, sarahlarby.com. Yes, right? And, and reach out to us. We love hearing those stories, how you were able to go to like zero to one or like five to 20 or 20 to 50 and, and whatever that is, keep growing the properties, the knowledge. We love hearing that and, and we want to showcase that. So thank you so much for, for being an amazing community of people and helping support us as we continue to grow ourselves throughout this process. That's it. Right Club Nation, thank you and come grow with us at our next events. And our next events information is at therightclub.com. So guys, Thank you and thank you for subscribing and, and being listeners, coming, tuning in each and every single week. So thank you guys. See you next week, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.